I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The gods don't need our prayers. The gods don't need our offerings. The gods cannot grant anything to us because that would mean that they are more powerful than us and they're not more powerful than us. We're all in this together. Yes, they are ascended souls. They're extensions and expressions of the universe. They represent universal functions. But we are also part of the ocean of life that the gods are part of as well. We're all in this together. And we can only receive the gods' grace when we realize that we're also part of those gods. And we realize we're part of the gods when we pray to the gods, when we honor the gods, when we do our spiritual practice, even if you're not pagan, and I know many of you are not pagan, your spiritual practice is a way of connecting with the gods. Whether you call it gods, or God, or the creator, or source, or spirit, or 
infinite intelligence, whatever you want to call it, your spiritual practice. And most modern spiritual practices are all about being in alignment with that energy of the universe, being in alignment with that energy of creation. And when we attain alignment with that, then we receive grace. We receive the gifts, we receive the manifestations from the universe because we are in alignment with that. I'm George Lizas, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. It wasn't long ago that I was stuck in a soul-draining job, held back by fears and limiting beliefs that stopped me from following my purpose and making a positive impact in the world. Fast forward past many hours of inner work and lessons learned, I now write books and teach courses to help you find and follow your purpose too. I created the Lit Up Lightworker podcast to empower you with simple, actionable, step-by-step spiritual tools and practices to overcome what holds you back and light up the world. If you're a spiritual seeker yearning for a more soulful and purposeful life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, my lovely Lightworker, and welcome back to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Have you missed me? I definitely have missed you. I've missed doing this podcast, and I'm so excited to be back. As you may know, I've taken some time off doing this podcast. I've been focusing on my other podcast, Can't Host, which is my gay sex and relationships podcast. And actually, that podcast has just been selected as one of the top 30 relationship podcasts for men. So if you've been enjoying that podcast, thank you so much for doing so. And I'm so excited to be back on doing the Lit Up Lightworker podcast as well, where I'll be focusing more on solo episodes, whereas so far the format has been all about having interviews with different teachers and authors and spiritual teachers. I wanted to focus more on what I have to offer, on what I feel we should be focusing on and talking about, starting with my new book that's coming out in April, Secrets of Greek Mysticism. I'm so excited about this book. It's a culmination of years and years of research into the ancient Greek religion. Many of you may know that I am a Greek pagan priest. I was the first Greek Cypriot to be trained, actually, in the priesthood of the ancient Greek religion. I went to Greece in 2017 when the Greek state finally legalized the ancient Greek religion called Hellenic Polytheism. And I was the first one from my country, from Cyprus, to go and attend that workshop and become a priest. Ever since 2017, I've been practicing monthly at the first modern temple of Zeus here in Cyprus. I've been researching about the Greek gods and goddesses simultaneously, about Greek ancient religion and mythology and the differences, which we're going to talk about today as well. And finally, I've collected all my knowledge and share them with you in this book, Secrets of Greek Mysticism, teaching you how to work with the Greek gods and goddesses from a theological rather than a mythological perspective so you can manifest your life and purpose. In the book, you'll get to learn about Greek cosmology and theology, the connection with mythology. You'll learn the different virtues, mantras, meditations, and symbols, the creation stories, the essence of the different gods, specifically the 12 main Olympians. You'll also learn how to practice new moon rituals and full moon rituals according to how the ancient Greeks did it. Specifically, when it comes to the new moon, they called it Numenia, and it was the most important day of the month. So we talk about that in the book and how to practice a new moon ritual for manifestation. And also, I introduced the Greek wheel of the year. 
You may be familiar with the Celtic Wheel of the Year. There is a Greek Wheel of the Year, where we celebrate a different festival and a different god every single month of the year. So I include that in the book as well. And I'll be sharing more episodes about Greek mysticism and Greek spirituality in future episodes, so make sure to tune in for those. For those of you who are older listeners who have been listening to the podcast since 2017, actually, that I've been running it, thank you so much for coming back. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. The aim of the podcast is to empower you with tools and practices and modalities and mindset shifts that will allow you to follow your Lightworker purpose, our collective purpose, to helping raise the vibration of the world and creating a more loving and more peaceful world. By the way, when you order my new book, Secrets of Greek Mysticism, you get a free one-hour workshop all around meeting your guardian Greek god or goddess. And to get all the information about that, just go to greekmysticism.com and you'll get all the information about how to access that workshop. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to rate and subscribe to it. Make sure to share your insights with me on Instagram at George Lizos. I love hearing from you and I reply to every single person who reaches out to me. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with friends who you know will enjoy it as well. For this first episode back on the podcast in this new format, we're talking about whether the Greek gods and goddesses are indeed real. When I was doing my research about the Greek gods and goddesses and common questions people have, this is the most researched question. Are the Greek gods and goddesses real? And I suppose this is true for all different types of gods from all different types of pagan traditions. Are the Celtic gods real? Are the Norse gods real? Etc. Now, the quick answer is yes, they are real, but not in the way you might expect. And that's what we're going to unpack today. Let's get started. To really understand who the Greek gods and goddesses are, firstly, you need to understand a little bit more about Greek cosmology and theology and the differences with mythology. Because, let's face it, when we think about the Greek gods and goddesses, all we think about is the mythology, because that's what we've been taught in school. Like, Greek mythology is taught almost everywhere around the, world, the Western world. It's such a common thing. And we come to think of the gods as just the kind of gods we meet in myths. But when we study the gods from a theological perspective, we meet different types of gods that oftentimes don't really resonate with their characteristics and myths. For example, Ares, that is portrayed as a god of war, from a theological perspective, he's not just a god of war. He's a god of courage and bravery. So, completely different understanding of Ares when you think about him from that perspective. So, we're going to talk about who the gods really are. And that is true, by the way, for most pagan religions. Because what pagan religions are is they, and we're going to talk about this right now, there are two different types of religions. The natural earth-based religions, and therefore the pagan ones, versus the founded religions. So, when we have the natural earth-based religions, the pagan ones, they're all about culture's perception of the universe. So as people and civilizations expanded through the years, people had a relationship with the earth. And through that relationship and the questions they asked about their relationship with the earth and about the earth, they started naming things and understanding things and getting in touch with energies and naming those energies and working with those energies. And therefore, the pagan natural earth-based religions were developed as a result of people's relationship with nature. And that's why they're called natural religions, because they came up 
through a very natural process versus the founded religions that are based on a single person's idea about the world. For example, the Abrahamic religions, such as Christianity and Islam, they're founded religions. They are based upon someone's conception of who or what God is and the rules they imposed on the world. So founded religions tend to be a bit dogmatic because they believe that this is the right way and this is the right understanding of what God or the universe is and everything else is wrong. And therefore, they aim to bring more people in, to attract more people in versus natural slash earth-based religions, the pagan religions, that are not dogmatic. They accept everyone's understanding of the world because they understand that people have a different relationship with the earth, with nature. And therefore, let's say, for example, for a Greek pagan, an ancient Greek pagan, their understanding of love was through the figure of Aphrodite, whereas for a Celt, their understanding of love could be, for example, through the goddess Rhiannon. They didn't judge each other. They understood. That's just how they understood the world or the concept of love, the energy of love, and whatever more is Aphrodite or Rhiannon. So the natural earth-based religions were naturally more respectful of other religions, and that's why they allowed the intermingling of religions and the amalgamation of religions, creating what we now refer to as neo-paganism or new ageism, for example, versus the founded religions that believe that my way is the right way and everything else is wrong. Now, let's look specifically now into the ancient Greek religion and how they understood the world, the universe, the gods, and humans. First of all, let's distinguish between universe with capital U and universe with a lowercase u, because those are different things. When I talk about universe with a capital U, I talk about the creator, spirit, source, infinite intelligence, the all, or how the ancient Greeks called it, the true being. Okay, so the ancient Greeks believed in this true being, the all, the universe, the creator. And they understood that the universe, the all, had certain characteristics. First of all, the universe is absolute, meaning nothing can exist outside of it. The universe simply is and it's all there is. Also, the universe is infinite. It's constantly in a state of expanding and it never stops expanding. It's constantly growing and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Thirdly, the universe is unchangeable. Nothing can change it because if you were able to change the universe, then it wouldn't be absolute. So it is what it is. Yes, it's expanding, but that cannot change. It is what it is. And finally, the universe is loving. The pure energy of the universe, what it's at its core, what it's made of, it's just this energy of love, the highest vibration of love there can be. And then we come to understand the cosmos. The cosmos, which is the physical universe, the universe with a lowercase u. The cosmos is what we can see in the physical world. It is our planet with our galaxy, the multiple galaxies, and the physical universe that is modeled, is an expression of, is mirrored after the universe with a capital U. So the physical cosmos we live in right now, it is an organized expression of the universe, of the creator. That's why the, the word cosmos comes from the Greek word kosmisis or kosmima. 
And Gosbima means jewel. Because it's perfect. Because it's that part of the universe with a capital U that has attained perfection, that has attained physical form, that has expressed from immaterial, invisible consciousness into physical consciousness. And that is what the cosmos is. Now, the gods and goddesses of the ancient Greeks, they are extensions and mirrors of the universe with a capital U. They are the universe multiplied into separate beings, which are also still part of the whole. So rather than the Greek gods being just energies and just deities or archetypes that form part of the universe, like most other spirit guides, for example, because we talk about angels, we talk about ascended masters, those are all like deities and they could be archetypes or energies. The Greek gods and goddesses are more than that. They are the universe. They share the universe's qualities. They embody universal laws and functions to which they're also subject. And they share the universe's mission to create and sustain harmony and order in the cosmos. So you could think of the gods and goddesses as the universe itself multiplied in different ways because they represent the functions of the universe. For example, Aphrodite represents the aspect of creation, the creative force of the universe, the creative womb of the universe, that creative force that brings manifestations to life. When you think of the waves crashing on the beach, that crashing, that's, that's creating something on that part of the ground, that is Aphrodite's essence. Bees pollinating plants and flowers, that's Aphrodite's essence. People having sex, that mingling of, of bodies, that's Aphrodite's essence. Whenever there is creation of something new, whether it's an emotion, whether it's a human being, whether it's an animal, whether it's a thought, that is Aphrodite's function. It's Aphrodite's law. So Aphrodite is not just the goddess of love and beauty and sex. Yes, these are qualities of her expression. Her essence is the creatrix of the universe. That's why in Cyprus she was celebrated as Aphrodite Morpho which means that who gives shape to things, because that's what Aphrodite is. You see, very different from the Aphrodite we meet in myths. That's jealous, and that's chasing after different mortals. Okay, yes, myths and mythology, they hold truth, but that truth is allegorical, it's metaphorical. So myths are never to be taken literally. First of all, they've been changed and revised through the years, so we cannot trust them 100%, but what myths were and what myths are, they had been tools and ways of storing information, deep spiritual information, that could only be understood by the few spiritual people at the time, by the mystery schools. And that information was kept secret within mystery schools. And therefore, the common people understood the stories. But deeply spiritual people, they understood the meaning behind those stories. And that's what we're doing right now. We're understanding the meaning, the deeper spirituality behind the Greek myths and stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So now that you understand what the universe is, what the cosmos is, who the gods are, let's talk about the characteristics of the gods because there are many misconceptions about them. First of all, the gods are loving. All those ideas that you may have about the Greek gods being demonic, that's just Christianity's propaganda that started from the early beginnings of Christianity in late antiquity, where they were trying to replace the old religion with a new religion, and therefore they had to demonize, in a way, the old religion. So they named the Greek gods and goddesses, they called them demons. They even changed the real meaning of the word demon, because the word demon comes from the ancient Greek word demon, which basically means angel. <laughs> they were like spirits of light that we could connect with and that helped us connect with the gods, that helped guide our way. So demons were our current perception of angels. Just Christianity took that word and turned it into a demon and made it be something bad or something evil. The Greek gods are not evil. That's just Christian propaganda. So just get that out of your mind and allow yourself to reframe the Greek gods and goddesses as loving. Why? Why are they loving? Because they are extensions, they are part, they are the universe. So the universe is loving by, by nature. There is no source of evil. There is only love. There is just moving away from love. And when you pinch yourself off from love for a long period of time, that's evil. But that's man-made. There is no source for it. It's just a disconnection from love. The gods, like the universe, are unchangeable. They cannot be changed. They were never born. According to certain philosophical schools, the gods used to be humans that evolved along their soul's journey of ascension, and eventually they entered the realm of the gods. And by the way, I believe that to be true as well, but that doesn't mean that the gods are changeable. They are unchangeable in the sense that their energy has always been there. The function, the universal function has always existed. Just people and souls evolving to, to be part of that, that's something that runs in parallel. Now, that's a little bit out there for you to understand right now. When you get Secrets of Greek Mysticism, I go into much more depth as to this theory about the gods being humans and how they evolved through the years. But this doesn't change the fact that, like the universe, with a capital U, the gods are unchangeable. They've always been there. They've always existed, like the universal laws. They were never created. They've always been there. Our understanding of them and the name of them may have shifted through the years, but the essence of who they are is unchangeable. And by the way, a short tangent over here about the difference between religion and philosophy, because according to the ancient Greeks, they had a main Greek religion that they all believed in, but there were different philosophical schools that ran parallel to that. The aim of religion was to guide humans from the moment of their birth until the moment of their death. The Greek religion didn't care what happened before birth or what happens after death. 
That's the work of the philosophical schools, like Stoicism, Platonism, Aristotelianism, Orphism, Pythagoreanism. So each philosophical school had different understandings and beliefs about life after death or life before birth. And people had their own philosophical school. Some of them had contrasting ideas. Stoicism, for example, does not believe in reincarnation. Platonism does. Personally, I am an Orphic. And therefore, I believe in the Orphic philosophical school, which is very similar to Platon's philosophical school and the Pythagorean philosophical school that believes in reincarnation and also believes in this idea of the evolution of the soul until we enter the God realm. Okay, closing this tangent, we've talked about the first two characteristics of the gods. The gods are loving, the gods are unchangeable. The gods are also eternal. They, again, they have never been born and they will never die. They're infinite, like the universe. The gods don't have a physical body. They cannot be confined within a physical body because that would limit them. And therefore, they wouldn't be gods. So they don't have a physical body. They just are. They exist. And from this perspective, they can work with everyone at the same time. And lastly, the final characteristic that I want you to know about the Greek gods and goddesses is that they're not confined by physical space either. Because if they were confined within a physical space, then they wouldn't be the all. They wouldn't be the universe. They would be confined within the universe. But that cannot be because they are the universe. There are different types of gods. The main two categories is the cosmic gods and the hypercosmic gods. The cosmic gods are the ones that are interested in the creation, the maintenance, and the harmony of the cosmos, the physical cosmos. And they are the 12 Olympians that we're all familiar with, and plus more, by the way. And we have also the hypercosmic gods that we're not going to talk about today that have to do with the maintenance of the soul and the mind, and they deal with more universal with a capital U matters. We're most interested, and in Secrets of Greek Mysticism, I talk primarily about the cosmic gods that we can work with to help us follow our purpose and fulfill our desires and live our best lives. You are familiar with, with the 12 Olympians. Those 12 Olympians, they are divided into four different categories according to their function, according to what they're here to do. We have the creation gods that are all about creating the universe. We have the animation gods, that they're all about animating the universe and bringing energy into the universe. We have gods that are all about harmonization, and therefore they're all about creating harmony between the different laws and between the different states of the world and the cosmos. And finally, we have the maintenance gods, those who are here to maintain the status quo, to maintain this harmony in the world. And I talk about who these gods are within this category in Secrets of Greek Mysticism. I don't want to explain that right now because I don't want you to be confused. I'm giving you a first idea so you understand who the gods are and how to think about them. And a common question I get about the Greek gods and goddesses is, why do we pray to the gods? Why do we honor the gods? Do the gods need us to pray to them? Because those of us that grew up Christian or within the Abrahamic religions, we have this perspective of having a transactional relationship with the gods, whereas we pray for something and the god has power over us and the god can grant us our wish or not. That's not how ancient Greek religion works. According to the ancient Greek religion, we don't pray to the gods in a transactional way. Because 
we are also part of the gods, as we're part of the universe. We don't need to ask the gods for support, for guidance, or anything. The gods cannot give that to us. We give that to ourselves by establishing and maintaining a relationship with the gods. Why then did the ancient Greeks sacrifice to the gods? Why did they offer things and grains to the gods and fruits and flowers that you read about in mythology and history books? Not to get something from them, but to feel closer to them, but to be in alignment with their energy, to understand their functions, to understand the laws, to be in alignment with those laws in their own lives as well. So we pray and we honor the gods, not because the gods need it, but because we need it. We need to do that. We need to do that sacrifice or, or offering. I don't like the word sacrifice, and we no longer sacrifice animals to the Greek gods. The modern religion is all about offering grains and flowers and fruits instead. So we do that, we offer those offerings to feel a connection with the gods, to be more like them, to embrace their different virtues, their different essences, so that we can live in alignment with universal laws and so that we can follow our life purpose and live our best lives. Again, the gods don't need our prayers. The gods don't need our offerings. The gods cannot grant anything to us because that would mean that they are more powerful than us and they're not more powerful than us. We're all in this together. Yes, they are ascended souls. They're extensions and expressions of the universe. They represent universal functions, but we are also part of the ocean of life that the gods are part of as well. We're all in this together. And we can only receive the gods' grace when we realize that we're also part of those gods. And we realize we're part of the gods when we pray to the gods, when we honor the gods, when we do our spiritual practice, even if you're not pagan, and I know many of you are not pagan, your spiritual practice is a way of connecting with the gods. Whether you call it gods, or God, or the creator, or source, or spirit, or infinite intelligence, whatever you want to call it, your spiritual practice, and most modern spiritual practices are all about being in alignment with that energy of the universe, being in alignment with that energy of creation. And when we attain alignment with that, then we receive grace, we receive the gifts, we receive the manifestations from the universe because we are in alignment with that. Same thing with the ancient Greek gods and goddesses. Isn't it amazing how what we now call new age is actually really, really, really old age? Yes, different cultures around the world gave different names to different energies, but it's all the same. And I'm just giving you a different map here. I'm giving you the ancient Greek map to the universe. And you may have studied different types of gods, the Celtic ones, the Norse ones, the, the Hindu ones. And they're all wonderful systems as well. They're different maps to finding the truth. And this is just another map. If you like it, you follow it. If you don't, you take what you like and then you move on. Another question I get about the Greek gods and goddesses is why are they masculine and feminine? Because doesn't God not have a gender? And you're right. God, the gods, the universe, they're all genderless. And therefore the Greek gods and goddesses are genderless. Their energy is genderless. So why then do we assign genders to them? Again, it has to do with how we relate and understand the gods. Aphrodite is feminine because her energy is more feminine, not gender-wise, not sex-wise, but energetically-wise, 
It's a more receptive kind of energy. It's a more creative kind of energy. It's the womb of the universe. And therefore, we assign to her characteristics and form that matches our perception and our understanding of that energy that Aphrodite is. Same thing with Zeus, for example, or Hermes, or Apollo, or Artemis. They have different types of energy. Some gods have more of a masculine energy and therefore we assign masculine characteristics to that so that we can relate to the, those gods in a more palpable way. Because let's not forget, we are human beings. We have an ego and we are part of the all that is the universe. But at the same time, we're separated into different bodies. So we need to have this compartmentalization to be able to understand life. So rather than just calling it the creative force of the universe, we named that Aphrodite and we gave her a figure and we painted her and we sculpted her. Same thing with all the Greek gods and goddesses. How many gods and goddesses are there? Millions. As many as there are universal laws and functions. Every universal law and function you can think of, there is a god supporting that, a god or goddess, whatever you want to call it. We only know a few hundreds or thousands ones, and the main ones are the 12 Olympians, but there are infinite gods and goddesses. So always have that in mind whenever you're doing meditations and connecting with the Greek gods and goddesses. Don't always expect to meet someone you know from mythology. The possibilities are endless, so be open to receiving more. And when you get that free workshop all about meeting your guardian Greek god or goddess, I say in the workshop that you could meet any type of god or goddess. It doesn't have to be one of the 12 Olympians. It could be someone that you never even heard of or someone that nobody has even written about. So just keep an open mind. Alrighty, I think I've just given you a crash course on the Greek gods and goddesses. I know I shared a lot. You may need to listen to this a few times or make sure to get the book as well. And by the way, the book is available on Audible as well. And I recorded the audiobook. I was in London last week at the time of recording this episode. And I spent three days in the studio from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day recording the audiobook. It's going to be an approximately seven-hour audiobook. So if you like listening to audiobooks, I personally prefer that, then make sure to get the audiobook and you can still get the free workshop when you get that. Or if you prefer physical books, you can get the physical book or even the Kindle one as well because I share so much more information. I go into so much more depth about the Greek gods and goddesses. Now, I have an entire series of episodes about the Greek gods and goddesses coming up. The next one will be about the difference between Greek mythology and Greek religion. We're going to talk about the Greek gods and their powers and what their essence, their symbols, their virtues are. I'm going to talk about the ancient Greek wheel of the year and what those 12 festivals are. I'm going to talk about the ancient... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In Greek Newman ritual, the Numenia ritual and how to practice it. And in my other podcast, Can't Host, I will soon share an episode about gay sex in ancient Greece. So 
If that's an interest, make sure to tune into my other podcast as well. The links will be in the show notes below. All righty, my lovely lightworkers, it's been such a pleasure coming back to the podcast. You know what? I feel so good. I feel so good right now because for a long period of time, although I've loved chatting to so many amazing authors and teachers on the podcast over the past few years that I've been doing it, I missed expressing myself because usually when you're interviewing someone, you want to learn all about them and what they have to say. But I have things I want to say. (laughs) So here I am. I'm so excited for this new rendition of the podcast where I'll be sharing my wisdom with you. And I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoyed, make sure to share this episode with other friends that you know will enjoy it as well. Make sure to share with me on Instagram at George Lizos how you enjoyed it. Make sure to rate and subscribe. And I will see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before you go, make sure to grab your free workbook to find your life purpose at georgelizos.com forward slash life purpose.